Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. I'm your host, Shannon, and we are here to do it another week. It's been a slow news week for the most part, so let's just talk about what's coming, what's going, what's going on, right? Uh, Michelle Obama has a documentary. It's going to be on Netflix. If you are listening the week that this comes out, uh, it's coming out May 6th. So I'm recording the day before it comes out. You might be listening the day after it comes out. Either way, hey, listen, we ain't got nothing else to do. We ain't got nothing else to watch. I feel like I've watched everything of, of interest on Netflix for the most part. You know, and then there's certain shows you want to watch, but you can't watch it with this person. You got to wait till you by yourself and all that jazz. So everything that my husband and I could watch together, I feel like we have watched. We are slowly winding through Ozark. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to give uh, First Lady Obama a shot. I know that she made some controversial statements, or at least we've heard some controversial statements, that she was disappointed in the elections in which, quote, our people did not show up. You know, it's one of those things that seems like it's blaming, blaming the blacks, blaming the poor, blaming the Democrats again, as if, you know, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities and darkness of this world. I mean, you know, but get out and vote. I get it. I don't know. So, um, but I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to watch the documentary. Let's talk about something very, very interesting that happened. And that is uh, Don Lemon. Don Lemon has been the most interesting transformation of a human being. I mean, during the Obama administration, a lot of us didn't care for him. He was definitely Mr. Pull Up Your Pants, Mr. Uh, Respectability Politics. I mean, he was, you know, the poster child for shucking and jiving in some ways. I don't know what got into him in the life. Well, you know, Donald Trump got into him, I guess, over the last few years. But now Donald, you know, Don Lemon is just, it's the battle of the Dons. So he was on uh, CNN, as he is all the time, because that's where he works. And he just had a good read, a good drag for for the current president. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of it for you. And it is, uh, yes, some some genius on the internet put it to the ether beat. So I'm going to play that one because that's uh, that's my favorite one. It's my level of petty. What is it about President Obama that really gets under your skin? Is it because he's smarter than you? Better educated? Made it on his own? Didn't need daddy's help? Wife is more accomplished? I don't know. What is it? What is it about? That he's a black man that's accomplished, game president, and he pumped you on the whole birth certificate thing. What is it about? Just wondering. Listen, I don't even know what happened to lead into that read that drag that Don Lemon had and the reason I don't know is because a I I saw it on the internet and b you know y'all's president is doing something crazy every minute of every day I can't even keep track with what we're outraged about from moment to moment day to day 
What I do know is that Don Lemon had time today. Time. All the time. Uh, so I'm going to post the link in the description box in case you want to play it on a loop. Uh, and, and it also has the one with the ether version and the, the one that was actually, you know, him being very serious without the music in the background. But honey, I just don't know. So I want you to stay tuned. I have my guest, Bev Andre. She's a marriage family therapist, and she's going to join me in talking about the show Insecure and the topics of adult friendship that the show is bringing up. Now, if you don't watch the show, you can still listen. If you do watch and you're not caught up, please go watch, catch up, because we're going to have some spoilers on here. But we do want to talk about friendship, so stay tuned. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I am here with my guest, Beverly Andre, who is a family marriage therapist and also a fan of the show Insecure, which is what we want to talk about today. Bev, give everyone a little bit more of your background and who you are. Hey, y'all. So my name is Beverly Andre, and like Shannon said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, right now, I see individual clients, I see couples, and I also work with families as well. Um, been doing this for a little minute, and I thoroughly enjoy it because people really don't realize, hey, what you're doing is not really healthy. So let's kind of get you back on track with some healthy behavioral patterns. So I enjoy what I do. I love it. And um, pairing that with insecure talk, this is going to be a great conversation, I feel like. I love it. I love it. And I wanted to reach out to Bev because she's also my friend, but a professional. And as we're watching uh, this season of Insecure, typically the show talks about romantic partnerships and the friendships have been stable. But this year, the opposite has occurred. These friends are going through. Molly and Issa are going through it. And so it's got me in that vein of thinking about friendships, particularly as adults. A lot of our um, formative years is when we make those strong friendships, high school and college. We always talk about how those are the best years to make your friends. But as adults, a lot of things happen. A lot of things change. Um, and so I guess we're seeing them have a friendship shift. Bev, what do you think is contributing to the shifting of those kinds of bonds? I think it's just the natural progression of life because as an individual who you were a year ago or six months ago is not the same person that you're becoming. You know, I think it's a constant evolution of finding oneself or learning oneself. And so when you're in this process of shifting and changing, the people around you have to make a conscious choice. Am I going to accept this person who is shifting and changing into whomever, or am I going to um, rebel and want to stick with the person that I'm used to. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And mm -hmm. you and I, as we were setting up the call, I made a comment about Molly and Issa's friendship falling apart. And you said, is mm -hmm. it falling apart? Explain to me mm -hmm. why do you think it, you know, what do you mean by that? Is it falling apart or is it not? Because in my mind, when I hear like falling apart, I, I hear like, you know, it's, uh, is is being torn down or it's not being like there's no life to it and i think where molly and Issa is right now there's plenty of opportunities for them to still grow in their relationship 
what is what has been seen as problematic for me is that they are unable to shift in a healthy way with each other and they're not able to communicate their current needs Mm. with each other and so that is contributing to an unhealthy relationship between both of them like the relationship is unhealthy not them two is their interactions with each other so I don't feel like it's falling apart I feel like this is what it really looks like to be in transition to you know figure out okay how am I now going to relate to this person um, and so they're kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. And then, you know, what, last, last night's episode, I hope it's not a spoiler for anybody, but you know, <laughs> there was a scene, there was a scene, um, you know, Issa asked Molly for a favor and Molly continuously kind of, um, helps Issa out in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And she set some clear boundaries with her. Now there were some other things like, you know, contextual elements that were not, you know, shared on the phone call, but at the root of it, you know, she's like, this is what I want for my life. I want to keep certain things separate. So I'm unable to help you. And she's making boundaries. She typically has poor boundaries and she has never really told Issa no. You know, she's always bailed her out. And you saw Issa didn't know how to react to that. She's literally used to getting her way, not getting her way, but she's used to Molly, you know, saving the day for her. And when that didn't happen, like, she just kind of was flustered. She didn't really know what she wanted to say. And so she just kind of hung up. And she's sitting with, my friend is not coming through for me like she usually does. So now she's figuring out, okay, what does this mean for me? Right. And, and... I think for me watching, I also felt like Molly does have a hard time setting boundaries, but it was like, I always feel like Molly picks the wrong time to set her boundaries, if that makes any sense. It, it's always like after everything explodes or when it's a huge deal, that's when Molly's like, well, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, wait a minute, this is like not the same as needing $50 for avocados. This is like a big project that I need help with. So I think a lot of people are relating to Issa in that regard because it's like, okay, I get it. Set your boundaries, girl. But right here is a big, big thing for me. So I guess, uh, you know, and we've noticed that they've had communication issues with other people um, in previous seasons. One of the major issues I feel like in terms of Lawrence and Issa's relationship was that Issa never wanted to have those hard conversations with him. So she just acted out. Um And so how do we get better at having those hard conversations with people, particularly people that we want to keep in our lives? So I kind of want to like just piggyback just a little bit because, you know, just for context purposes, um, Issa and Molly have not been on the same page with communication. So I think when it comes to enforcing boundaries, The timing, you know, if it's enforcing boundaries and that includes, you know, a person not getting their way. And I think no matter what, Issa would have still had the same reaction. Um, I do think that a lot of what went into Molly's response to her was because they've been off for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, we've been talking about how we need to have this whole conversation. Thanksgiving happened. You didn't come over. There's been, you know, X, Y, and Z situations that have occurred that we have not resolved but you want to look past all of that and when you finally call me you're calling me for a favor not because you want to work on this relationship Mm -hmm. you know so I think Molly read that situation as okay 
she's doing her and I'm going to do me and I need to make sure that I am protecting my peace and my space with Lawrence and Issa. Um, I'm not going to say that, Oh, she struggles with having a hard conversation. I really interpreted that as Issa let her empathy overshadow her desire to have boundaries. Mm, And so when you continuously put yourself second and you're not living in your truth and holding people accountable for how they treat you, and you're just in that space, you build resentment. And then, you know, your relationships deteriorate. Um, so I think that when you have a friend and they're doing something that you do not like, you owe it to the relationship to hold that person accountable. You cannot feel any sort of type of way about that person if they do not know this is how you're feeling about them. Like, they are not accountable for your feelings about them. Right. You need to be the person to voice it. Now, when you do voice it, whether their you know response is what you want, or what you don't want, then you're able to move accordingly and respond accordingly to what they said. But you know, if you're never having the conversation, then there's no there's no hope of having another outcome. It's just going to be more of the same. And account. You said the word accountable, which made me think of you know when the show first started this season. Uh, Molly and Issa were doing their self-care Sundays and we're holding each other accountable. And and I think sometimes when we say accountability partners, because I've heard a lot of people use that, whether it's in the context of church or sobriety, anything in which I'm going to be there for you, but I'm also going to tell you the truth about things, right? Sometimes that can lead to us saying things, well, Molly and Issa are kind of going for the jugular because they've got some other underlying issues when they do this accountability thing. We heard about Listen, that grocery scene, that grocery scene, the throuple. That, that yeah, like, the grocery uh-uh. scene is when it got like, Ooh, Oh, Oh, that's not a, okay. So how can we be honest with our friends, particularly if they have asked us to hold them accountable without being hurtful? We don't want it to devolve into that grocery scene, but, but sometimes when you're telling people the truth, it can hurt feelings. So how do we manage that? We manage that by gauging if what I'm going to say, is it to hurt you or is it to help you? And even then, that's a little bit skewed because it's subjective to what I think may or may not hurt you. With the grocery scene, Molly intentionally came at Issa sideways by talking about a whole throuple. Like, you know, she's trying to manage. I mean, I have my personal thoughts on the whole Condola Lawrence trifecta anyway. But Molly's <laughs> intention was to hurt Issa's feelings. And so Issa was just like, well, you're a pot caught on the kettle black when you were literally knowingly in a situation. Not, I can't even call it that. That was just a mess. That was a whole mess but last you, season. A, a hot mess. But you cannot sit here and throw jabs my way when you were not even, you know, you're no better than 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 what you're accusing me of. Right. And her brother called, Molly's brother called her out on that when, you know, you're talking about dad and how he did this to mom, but Molly, you're acting this way towards your dad and you still did something very similar, you know? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to talking to your friends and saying, okay, this is how I feel. First of all, is the conversation warranted? Like, did they ask you your opinion? How does your friend want you to show up for them? Right. Because maybe they just need you to listen. Maybe they just need you to validate their thoughts or the space that they're in. So if that's what they're wanting and you're over here trying to dish out advice, then you're not meeting their needs. 
for that moment. If they ask you to hold them accountable and they're asking you your opinion, give them your opinion. Be honest. But your honesty doesn't need to be hurtful. It can still be yeah. respectful. Your choice of words and how you're saying it and your tone, all of that gives a person an overall message beyond just the vocabulary that you're using. You know, all of that works together. And so if that person, once again, throws some type of way about what you're saying, then they're now accountable to tell you, hey, what you said and how you said it made me, not made me, because can't nobody make you feel nothing, but it triggered this response in right. me. And then that's another conversation. But you cannot live your life thinking that I can avoid hurting people if I tailor these things. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's impossible. And sometimes the truth is, is painful. But Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. for me, and and I, you know, I'm picking on my own self, you know, I can be shady boots when I say certain things. And so I have to try to Mm -hmm. be mindful. If this is a serious conversation, if I'm literally concerned about something that you've brought to my attention, I have to turn down the snark. I need to turn down the shade. I need to make sure Mm -hmm. that you know that I'm coming from a place of genuine concern and not trying to make you feel bad about yourself. You know, because there's yeah. a difference. Because there's levels to it. Right. There's a difference between I want to make sure you're okay and I want you to feel bad about what you've done. That's not the same thing. That's condemnation. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I'm Conviction your Conviction versus condemnation. Exactly. Ooh. I'm your friend and I love you. I want you to do well. I don't want you to feel bad about anything you've done. Even if I think that behavior needs to change, we need to change mm-hmm. that. Not necessarily make you feel like you're not up on my level or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So I think that's also Uh another thing that we're seeing in the show is like the ways that they're hitting at each other are really like insulting. Even if there is some truth to it, it's just the way they're delivering it to each other is painful. Uh Uh Um, And so we all have friends because you had mentioned sometimes your friend just wants to vent. They don't need your advice. I've had friends who have, you know, in conversation maybe said, oh my God, so-and-so keeps bringing up the same thing. I am tired of seeing her post about that same dude that she keeps taking back. I cannot have this conversation anymore. So we've all had that one friend who is perhaps stuck in a loop, whether they are consistently uh-huh. making bad choices or consistently in a bad relationship or or whatever the case may be. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Molly and Issa. Issa is sort of burning out on Molly's consistent relationship issues molly is burned out on isa's consistent professional issues right and so Uh they're getting a little frustrated with that that's sort of the underlying thing how can you support your friend without letting your frustrations with them and their situation sort of make you feel like oh i can't take another conversation about that well i think it's more so a reflection of you than the friend Mm. um it's, it's more so a reflection of you than a friend because what are you frustrated about? Are you frustrated because you're tired of seeing your friend be in this position? Mm-hmm. Are you frustrated because you feel like I'm giving her advice and she's not taking it? And so you're kind of putting, you're essentially taking away their freedom of choice because it's mm-hmm. going to give some advice because when they're obligated to take it. So I think, you know, reflecting internally, trying to figure out where, what is my frustration connected to? And so when you kind of have an awareness of what is it connected to, then you can move accordingly. Because if you are, you know, struggling with, with hearing a repetitious cycle of behavior, talk to your friend like, hey, sis, I love you. And I know that you're going through this. 
but I need to be able to support you in a different way. How else can I support you? Because we're having the same conversation. Um, Maybe, you know, going to talk to a therapist or maybe there's someone else that you can speak to about it because you got to be aware of your limits. Yeah. Um, If you're fed up with it, there's nothing positive that's going to come from your responses to your friend. Um, and there is, and, and I just got to put it out there, there is a risk that that person's like, oh, so you can't show up for me? Oh, you, I thought she's was my girl, blah, 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 blah. And I think if we allow ourselves to be honest about where we are and in our relationships, like, hey, I just don't have the capacity to continue yeah. to be in this space with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I have my own things going on as well. And, you know, if there's another way I can support you, great. But I can't support you in this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes um, our friends' problems sort of bring up our own frustrations with certain things in our lives. Do you know what I mean? Like, it may not be that I'm struggling romantically, but hearing your frustration reminds me of the frustrations in my life. And it's okay to be honest with your friend and say, it hurts me that you're struggling and it makes me, I don't have an answer for you and I hate that I don't have Uh an answer for you. Because Uh that does put the onus back on, this is about how I feel. It's not about the fact that I am tired of you or I don't love you. It's just like, your life is I mean, life. I can be that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But if the truth yeah, is you I mean, love that friend when we're not talking about their relationship, then it's like, yo, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't bear to see you in this bad spot with this bad person. And it hurts mm-hmm. me to see that. So I think sometimes it And is- it doesn't mean that you can't stick up for your friend. It, it doesn't mean that you can't stand by your friend because I think some people will call into question your loyalty. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's, I'm not out here to prove my loyalty as a friend to you. I'm letting you know that this is what I'm able to, to deal with. I just can't because you know, it's all, it's moves like energy. Like you consistently being around or engrossed in negative energy or negative talk. That is a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a way of, you know, dealing with that in a healthy way, it sticks with you. Yeah. It really sticks with you. Because even for me as a therapist, like, I have to be so intentional about self-care, so intentional about my personal space and having boundaries with my professional life. Because I literally, you know, four days out of the week, I'm listening to people who are in the midst of the worst seasons of their life. Yeah. And if I don't know how to cope with that in a healthy way, then I'm bringing that back into my household. I'm bringing that back to my husband, to my heck, my dog, Sherlock, you know, because <laughs> I would notice for real, because I would just be snapping at the little dog. I'm so sorry, Aww. but I just be snapping at him and I have to think about it. Okay. Well, what did you do today? And what, how did you transfer this energy off of you? You know, like that sticks. So you literally telling your friend, hey, I just don't have the capacity to deal with this. And I and I can't continuously be in this space with you. I can pray for you. I love you. Maybe go to a therapist or the referral. Maybe some yeah. no other options. But I, I just can't continue being that for you. And you shouldn't have to be nobody else's therapist. You really shouldn't. Well, most of us don't have the skill set and the knowledge to listen, support, but not absorb in general. Uh-huh. That's just a thing uh-huh. that, you know, it's not a natural... We don't come out the womb mm-hmm. having all of that emotional knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you made a good point and that brought yeah. me to my next question. And that is we see Molly in particular, when she feels some kind of way, she kind of um, takes it out on people around her, right? Like 
it, there's an immediate, oh, okay, everything's fine, but I'm going to be ice cold and I'm going to be kind of mean. And when I do speak, it's going to hurt you, right? So we're collectively in a space, you know, in which we're all going through massive stress. We're all going through a lot of life changes, whether we want to or not. How can we manage the stress around us without necessarily taking it out on our our people, our friends, our loved ones? I think acknowledging that when you suppress your emotions, it manifests in different ways beyond your control. What do you mean by if that? If you suppress it, so Molly suppress, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You're essentially like ignoring what you're feeling and you're trying to cover it up and suppress what you're feeling because to do so builds that anxiety. Like it literally places you at the forefront of your anxiety or whatever heightened emotion that you're experiencing. Cause think about it. We're like, Oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We're literally trying to like control what we're feeling at the expense of what we're feeling. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to be afraid, just be afraid. That doesn't mean that you can't do other things while being afraid. You can still use coping strategies you can still do breathing techniques to get yourself back to a um, back to a state where you're able to actually do things. Molly, I don't know. I mean, because I, we, we don't really know like all her backstory, but that just makes me think about like, where did you learn that you have to like white knuckle mm-hmm. through situations instead of, okay, I'm feeling afraid right now or I'm scared. Um, let me get my body in check. Let me do a body scan. Let me figure out where am I tense? Am I tense in my neck? Yeah. Um, am I still breathing? Because our breathing changes. Let me go ahead and do a breathing exercise. Breathe in four times, hold it for four seconds, um, and then release for four seconds. Because then now I'm slowing down my heart rate. So that adrenaline that I was feeling, I'm getting my body back to a normalized state. All right. So I'm feeling my emotions. I'm dealing with the physical symptoms that's coming with this emotion. Now let me go ahead and tackle it in a healthy way instead of trying to suppress it and not feel because you're going to feel it, you know? Right. How we respond to our emotions can be healthy or unhealthy. And a lot of us have learned unhealthy habits. Ignore it. Suppress it. You know, I'm just going to keep doing everything else under the sun instead of owning that that these are my emotions. So Molly will literally project her insecurities and her fears on other people because she's not owning it herself. Mm. You know, she's in this relationship with Asian Day. And, you know, in the beginning, you know, she was afraid that, okay, he's not prioritizing me, that maybe this is not as serious for him as it's kind of becoming for me. Right. And so we saw at the um, Issa's Mixer, she starts pushing him away. She's icing herself. She's getting into defense mode, right. protecting herself because she doesn't know how to deal with those feelings, you know, in a healthy way versus later on, it showed her having an honest conversation and being vulnerable, you know? But if you've never learned how to be emotionally healthy, then you cannot be vulnerable because you've learned that your emotions, expressing them is not safe. You know, Mm. if I don't feel safe with my emotions, how can I express them to someone else? But she went out on a limb and she did. And they were able to have a real conversation about where they are in the relationship and what they want to both see happen for both of them in the relationship. Yeah. What's interesting is, as you're saying that, I, I realized Tiffany, who is also in their friend group, there's Tiffany and Kelly, who are another set of best friends, but also they're like a little foursome. 
Tiffany does the exact same thing. Like anytime something bad happens, she immediately starts going, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yes, she, she repeats does. it multiple times. <laughs> As like a coping strategy. It is her like coping. literally so she doesn't become like emotionally dysregulated. I'm like, people who say it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, you're actually making it worse for yourself. I I have mm-hmm. to question if I do that with myself because I was like, Oh, there's a part of me that relates to the constant, you know what? I got it. It's okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. That happens. Okay. And ironically the characters, Molly and Tiffany are sorority sisters. <laughs> so I was like, are y'all trying to say all of us AKAs are just like self-coping because we got to make sure everything is fine and we're real cute and everything's got to be put together. So we're fine. We're fine. It's fine. It's but fine. even with that, it's tied to perception. Like I can't be, you know, seen as shaken up. Like Molly is like professionally, like professional goals. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, so is so Tiffany. Like, imagine. They're both. And so is Tiffany. Yes. Yeah. And so, so imagine them not looking like they have it all together. Like. If you're more concerned about your perception versus your emotional health, then that's an area of concern because it's like you're not a robot. Like, but I think a emotion. lot of us women, particularly black women, who got the go to college, be smart, get your job, you can do it, you're every woman, it's all in you. I mean, that was literally the soundtrack of my childhood. I'm every woman, Whitney Houston version, right? another black woman who was crushed under the pressure of of image mm-hmm. and having to be the perfect black woman and underneath was that a whole different black person. woman perception yeah I'm, the strong black woman perception mm-hmm. how does that play into this inability to be real with ourselves and perhaps more real with our friendships because we live in a world where it's either or it's not both and so if i am strong that means i cannot be vulnerable mm-hmm. you know people see as you know strong and then weak and then we associate strong being a character strength you know oh you're weak oh emotions are weak and i think all that ties into us you know a patriarchal society and people you know subscribing certain behaviors as you know, you act like a girl, you're acting like a, you know, a woman yeah. as if it's bad to experience emotions. Like we are human. We are wired to experience that, to experience it. And I think that, you know, when we're so concerned about being judged just because we have emotions, it just causes you to question like, okay, well then what do you want me to be? Do you want me to be stoic? Do you want me to be hard? Yeah. Like there's strength in, 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 and being soft, there's strength in being empathetic. There is strength in, um, and being relatable. Yeah. Like no one wants to be in relationship with someone whose heart is nails. Like I felt like once upon a time they were very emotionally safe with each other, and. I think both of them have typecasted each other. Yeah. So Molly, the one who's always in a messed up love situation relationship, right? Issa, the one who's always some type of professional issue, blah, 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 right? And so if I have this image of you and and, and it's a pretty cemented um, image of who you are, once you start to shift and change out of that, I no longer... I, I feel like I can no longer say that I know you mm. because a person that I've always known is not the same. And so 
you know, if if Molly's in if Molly's relationship has always been the, mm, that's just messed up, but now it's becoming like, oh, this is a healthy thing. Oh, this is, you know, good. Issa's kind of like, well, she thinks she's just so perfect. Like, yeah. okay, so because I'm getting this part of my life in a good place, you are automatically feeling like that. I'm thinking that I'm perfect. Yeah. When Molly never said that. But, Issa, but that was that the one thing Issa. that she was failing at. So I think there's also this perception of if that's the one thing that you were failing at, when you get it together, you are going to be so perfect. I mean, we saw it last night on the episode when all of a sudden she had so much to say about relationships and her man supporting her. And Issa was kind of like, all right, Jada, thanks for your red table talk. But Molly... In defense, Molly never said anything about her life was perfect. No, 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 no. But no. Issa I think that's the perception. used that language. Issa used that language. Yeah. So, but it's it's funny because for the Donna Day, Issa has been saying, you need to get your life together. Like, don't you want to be happy? Well, she's on her way to being happy. Like, yeah. she's taking the advice that you have been giving her for so long. So what's your issue? Your issue, oh, she thinks she's perfect. She never said that. Yeah. She's just trying to get that life. She's trying to get the life that you guys have always wanted for her. And so now that's bringing up feelings in you. That's yeah. triggering something in you. What is it triggering, Issa? What about Molly's life is triggering you that you have to now, you know, say what you want to say? Well, then I you know? also have the same, the same thing. I was just going to say, so what about Molly's reaction to Issa's friendship with Condola? Well, listen, if you have distance in a friendship and you see someone else that your friend is meshing with, you want that camaraderie back. Yeah. And you're upset that she has that camaraderie with somebody else and you feel some type of way about it, right? Yeah. And so in your anger, you lash out as Molly has been doing and you make a slick little comment. Right? Yeah. And then calling them a know, throuple, saying, I think you love mess in your life. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh, that was so nasty. That was just nasty. I can't believe she said that. My jaw dropped. But it's like, you know, I don't remember her feelings about Lawrence, but, you know, she made that comment, mm. you know, they're entering back. Like, she's judging, you know, them yeah. having a conversation. Not even knowing that, you know, Issa was just worried about her headliner dropping out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're making these assumptions that, oh, here we go. Issa's going to get back into this pattern. Here we go. Issa's going to be, you know, once again, she needs my help. She needs saving the day. Right. You know, so she has limited her to, you know, this person that, you know, she feels like has always been this person. And it's like, well, I'm just trying to be better in my life. Why can't she do the same? Right. They really, I think last night's episode really showed me that they really are at the point where they expect the worst out of each other. They expect the worst or they're assuming the worst out right. of each other. They're I'm making saying. a yeah. lot of assumptions yeah. about each other. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't need assumptions if you had a conversation. Right, right. Speaking of you conversation, know? so I mentioned Tiffany and Kelly earlier. Um, and they are the other set of friends. And last season... There was the uh, baby shower episode in which Tiffany and Kelly have a pretty big blowout about the status of their friendship because Tiffany was pregnant and their relationship was changing. Um, and it seems mm -hmm. like this season they are more on track to where they were 
in terms of their closeness, they're putting forth an effort and doing things together. We see them still being friends, right? So they've mended in some capacity. But it is very natural for friendships to go through transitions because of a large change, like one person getting married or one person having a child or something like that. How can we maintain our friendships when we're in different life phases? I think the biggest, um, that situation, it, it blew up the way that it blew up because, uh, Tiffany made it seem like Kelly, um, wasn't able to contribute to this stage of life that she's in because she didn't have that prior experience because she's not a mother. Um, I remember them being in a park lot and she's like, well, I let her do it because she's a mom. And then it was kind of like, mm, so what are you saying? Cause you're a mom. I can't say anything to you or provide, you know, any services for you unless, you know, I'm in that same, like it was, that was a very uncomfortable moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I don't feel like they're on a men. I feel like this was, you know, something else that they just ignored that they never spoke out about like they should have. Like, I feel like there was no resolution. So last season, so, so they had the blow up and I, I thought it was a good conversation only because Tiffany does, um, sorry, Kelly tends to joke a lot. And we got a lot of like, right. We make a lot of, she made a lot of jokes about her being pregnant and that the baby was in her way or like, now I got to fight with the baby and all that stuff. And so Tiffany took it as, Hey, this is a time for me to be serious about my child. And you're not saying the things I need to hear. So she went to the mommy group. Right. Um, Uh and then we got the one episode where they went to the, the movies at the cemetery and Issa asked Kelly, what's up with you and Tiffany? And she says, girl, we had this conversation. We're all good, but now I'm the god mom. So that was sort of how uh, we... Yeah. Okay, so, so I it was, that. Yeah, so it was said that. very fast. Okay, okay. It wasn't like... It wasn't a whole episode I about they them. That I definitely wish they would have hashed that out a little bit more. But you but know what? I think, I think they gave us... And I, I said it a little earlier. I said Tiffany and Kelly are in some ways... Our canaries in the coal mines for the friendship patterns, right? Because mm-hmm. they uh, they had that, and when the feelings came up, they did have that hard talk right there. There was no, well, girl, come back next week and let's have this conversation, or well, let's talk about it two mm-hmm. days from now. Like the way Issa and Molly have been sort of swirling around the tension, Tiffany and Kelly had the hardest of the hard conversations. Boom, mm-hmm. right there on the spot. So mm-hmm. I think, and I think Kelly is like probably the most vocal out of all of them. Yes. Um, jo- jokey, jokey. I do think that she is the most outspoken. Um, I think when your friends are in a different stage of life, that making like projecting—I don't know the right word—but just making them feel like you are still an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's enough. Yeah. Like, I wonder why did Kelly feel like she has to fight with the child? Granted, there's a lot of preparation that comes with that. There's a lot. And from Kelly's standpoint, from Kelly's standpoint, okay, I understand that my friend is going through this phase of life. She's becoming a mom or she's, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. Whatever your friend is going through, just understand that just because something else is taking their primary focus does not mean it's not a reflection of the state of your friendship. Yeah. You know, it's not a reflection. Like all of my friends, most of my best girlfriends are mothers. 
and I know that mm, if I call them at this time, they're going to be busy. Like there's a certain boundary. There, there are boundaries that have to come in place with these new phases of life. Right. Yeah. I know that if I want to have a conversation with my friend, I know when to call. I know when to not make it inconvenient for her to talk to me because I know that she has other things going on. Everything has their appointed time, their appointed space. And I think that if I remind myself, hey, you know, she has X, Y, and Z going on. These are real. I mean, these are people. Like, little kids are people. Like, yeah. responsibility. Yeah. You know, I, there's no way for me to feel upset that we're unable to engage because I know my place. I know that she would love to talk to me, you know, at this time, but she can't, you know. I also And it doesn't mean that she loves me less. Tiffany did a smart move in the sense of when they did have that conversation, she presented godmotherness to her as in, hey, this is something we can still do together. This is not, mm-hmm. you can still be a part of my life, but you got to be a part of the baby's life too. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is not an excluding of you. Do you know what I mean? As long as you show interest in wanting to be there for this part of my life, then we can still mm-hmm. do things. I think we, we have a tendency to be like, okay, well, I'll just sit back and, and well, now she don't want to be my friend because I'm not a mom. No, that means sometimes... You know, I I don't have any kids yet, but I have had to go to the zoo in the daytime (laughs) (laughs) to hang with my friend and the baby or, okay, you know, I love babies. So I, you know, it's a little easier for me than if you're a person that's not really a baby person. It's like, oh God, we got to do kid stuff. But sometimes you have to do kid stuff so you can hang with your friend and let them know this is important. Your life has changed. And if I have something at night, you got to get a babysitter. And I know that's an extra step for you. And I have to wake up earlier and go to Chuck E. Cheese and chill and let this baby climb all over me because I mean, hello, I love being Auntie Bev. Yeah. Like it can be a good thing. Yes, you should be. Oh, you sorry, ghetto. You should be. Inter- <laughs> Bev is in New York, in. listeners. Bev is in New York. Oh my god, it's so ghetto. But listen, <laughs> you should be integrating in your friend's life, not making your presence be another obstacle. Right. Like, there's like we need to go with the tides. Like we really do. Like life is flowing. You either gonna go with the flow, or you're gonna go against it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you really just have to think like. Are you putting yourself first or are you putting the relationship first? Yeah. Because you got to keep yourself in check. Like, no one should have to prove that, oh, we're still friends. No one should have to prove that, oh, you still matter if you have that understanding already. Yeah. Yeah. Children always come first. And that's whether you're in a romantic relationship, you're somebody's stepmom, or you're a homegirl. And that's your homegirl. The baby's needs mm-hmm. are going to come first. And when you have that mindset, it's easier to to be focused on, okay, this is my friend, but now I have a bond with this baby and I'm, I'm Auntie Shannon. Mm-hmm. So, so baby comes first and that's okay. It doesn't mean that your friendship has to end because of that sort of a life change. But I will say this, and this is something else. Now what happens, I have seen mm-hmm. and sometimes experienced where the life changes that you're experiencing sometimes makes you feel like you're not on track it can bring out some insecurity. Maybe all of your friends are getting master's degrees and you feel some kind of way about the fact that you are not where they are professionally or educationally. All of your friends are at this phase where they're opening businesses. You know, everybody believes in being an entrepreneur and you're still at the nine to five and maybe you feel a little insecure about that or or they're all married and we know how society makes women feel about their relationship statuses, things like that. So... 
how does that factor in sometimes with our changes? Like, listen, I'm glad you're being blessed, but I feel some kind of way. Unfortunately, we, we, we experienced that, you know, even with, you know, we brought up Tiffany and Kelly, you know, when the friend is pregnant and you've been trying to get there or you have not even gotten to the relationship to try and you feel some kind of way about your own status. How do we, how do we navigate those times when we feel maybe insecure, literally in our, in our status as a person? I think that's a conversation you have with, um, yourself and your therapist versus your friend. Yeah. Um, your friend has no stake in how you feel about yourself because of the fact that you're not, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And I say keeping up with the Joneses, not in finances only, but just all of these um, life transitions or life phases that you feel like if I have it, then that means I have arrived. Because there's so many people who aren't married or who do have kids and they're still looking for, you know, to the next thing yeah, for them mm-hmm. to, you know, attain this position of, you know, I've made it or, yeah. you know, I have it all. And that's false. It's a myth. You know, the you target is always to, moving. It's the target is always moving. Always. You need to realign your standards so that instead of looking externally for these standards of, I have it all, you're looking internally. What do I need within myself to feel good about myself, to feel as if, I am content with the person that I am. You know, if you are being triggered, like, you know, all your friends are married or or they have these, these awesome jobs and you don't have that, if you feel like you cannot cheer for your friends still, then I do suggest, like, you know, you do some personal work. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is now impacting how you feel about that person. And I... And, and I'll just say this. I do believe that people generally don't want to feel that way towards their friends. Mm-hmm. They don't want to feel jealous of their friend or envious if they're a real friend. You know what I mean? It, and yeah. yes, they may not be able to help the fact that they have these emotions. So when you do have these emotions, how are we going to respond to it in a healthy way? You know, am I going to journal? Am I going to pray? Am I going to meditate? Am I going to go seek a therapist so I can do my personal work? Because the unhealthy way of dealing with those emotions is you lashing out at your friend or you making mm-hmm. these split little comments like Molly and Issa are doing. Or you distance yourself because you don't want to be hurt by all the good news that don't involve you. Yeah, You know, there's a lot of people who you wonder why a relationship phases out or, you know, there's distance. Because there may be one or, or two people or multiple people in the relationship that, you know, I can't even just be near you. Or I don't want to talk to you at all because I just can't deal with what you have going on. All these awesome things that you have going on in your life. Yeah. Sometimes your your blessings, and it's not your fault, reminds other people of maybe no. things that are not mm-hmm. okay with them. Maybe they're not like outright jealous, but they need time to process that. You know, if somebody has lost mm-hmm. a baby... You announcing your pregnancy over, I'm about to dip into a whole nother show. So if you haven't watched uh, Little Fires Everywhere. uh, No, I haven't. But I mean, I have life experiences. Okay. Yeah. You know, with friends who, you know, have lost children and they see everybody else, you know, getting pregnant or who's never, or who's been trying to get pregnant for years. Yeah. And it's like that, that is a deep, deep emotion. Yeah. You know, that that person is dealing with. And that's why I'm saying like, you can't help the emotions that come up, but you can help if you respond to it in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. Yeah. 
because one will help you for the longevity of your life when you have that emotion again. The other way of dealing with it, which is unhealthy, will cripple you. It will literally stunt your personal growth, stunt your personal and emotional growth. That's good. So what do we do? If we are re- if we have the God help us to have the discernment, right? If we realize that we are the problem, friend, maybe we're the ones. You know, it, I was. There's a song we used to sing at our church called "Everywhere You Go There Is Trouble." There is trouble. Thank everywhere you. you go, there is strife. And I remember listening one Sunday and saying, "Now, if everywhere you go, there is struggle, and everywhere you go, there is strife. It's you." <laughs> and so. <laughs> What happens when we realize, okay, I have had a recurring issue with most of my friendships or in my situations, I'm the one everyone thinks is wrong. Perhaps I'm the problem friend. How do we discern if we're the one that needs to change or grow or alter our communication? You know, it's so funny because you said, you know, God gives us discernment. I'm like, I think um, he gives us the capacity to have discernment. But not everybody learns to have discernment, right. unfortunately. Um, but I do think that we receive messages. You know, if if, if you're blessed enough to have friends who are very um, vocal and able to articulate what they do not like in relationships, I think that's like one of the best things you could ever have. Because essentially that person is able to keep you accountable whether you want to deal with it or not, you know. If you have been in these negative behavioral patterns, behavioral relationships, like if, if, if there's, you know, when you're like, why am I always going through stuff? If you've ever asked yourself that, go see a therapist. Yeah. I cannot, you know, and I'm not saying it because I'm a therapist, but for real, go see a therapist because one, if you've been stuck in this pattern, that means you're unable to get yourself out of it. Mm. And you need someone who is professionally trained to help you learn different ways to respond to different situations. Um, because people, I mean, some people will deal with it and you'll have some toxic relationships, yeah. but not everybody wants to deal with that. Not everybody wants to deal with someone who's not doing their personal work. You know, if you have a good understanding that these are the areas of improvement that I can make in my life. Go find a professional yeah. and do the work. That's the biggest investment you can make. The biggest investment you can make is on yourself. Hmm. Literally on yourself, like professionally, emotionally, physically, your greatest investment. And if you truly care about the people that you're in relation with, you want to present yourself as the best version of yourself. Like, we don't want to burn it, people. Okay, do the personal work. Right. You don't want to burn anybody financially. Do the work. You don't. You know, like that. I mean, that's literally as simple as as of an answer that I can give. Yeah. You know. I also really. uh, I I have noticed uh, if if you are the friend that everyone goes, well, you know, that's just the way she is. That's a cop out. That's no, but that is, because... but that has turned in. That is a that is a clear sign that there is something that people are just ignoring. True. Yes, it is that because you need to everything work that we do. on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's learned behavior. Exactly, you and are and choosing to be this way. And sometimes and people... our friends and family have given mm-hmm. up on you being a better person. 
<laughs> and they don't want they're tired and they don't want to they're like energy to you it's like well that's just how such and such is that is the and first sign that sad. you need to do some self-work if you hear people say to you <laughs> if you hear people mention around you well girl you know how bev is it's like oh oh yeah oh <laughs> like that means that they have just accepted your bull and they have given they have up on any hope that you're going to grow, change, improve. <laughs> but then I'll say this as well. Like, you can't change people. No. So if someone says, well, that's just how they are. And they're saying, and half the time when they say that, it is in a negative connotation. Yeah. Know that you, they know that you have decided you don't want to do the personal work on yourself. Right. And you're just choosing to show up just how you're showing up. So you're going to be that family member or that friend. Well, that's just how they are. Yeah. So you now have the choice of either dealing with it and you just be, you know, surrounding. I mean, you just be around that person or you can choose to not be around that person because, you know, you have that choice. You don't have to engage in people who choose not to do the personal work. We see that a lot with families too. Most, yeah, with family in particular. that's still a choice. Yeah, we see that with family. still a choice. Yeah. I know people are like, oh, well, family is family. Very much true. And just because you are my family member does not mean that I don't need to enforce boundaries around you. I feel like that's the you biggest to, barrier you have to, do to more. enforce boundaries. If, I mean, hello? You know how many family members are like, oh, well, you're a therapist. I'm like, nope, mm-mm, I'm not yours. Ooh. You don't pay me. Please don't call me. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. It is, no. Ain't no freebies. Like, <laughs> And I'm not, no, I am not called to be your savior. That is God. That is not me. (laughs) Go talk to God or go find your own therapist. But no, oh, you're a therapist. You got to be understanding. No, I don't. Yeah, I think I think (laughs) that is a a clearer sign with family because you're right with friendships. I think there's a tendency to be like, oh, well, girl, you act this way and I don't want to be around. Like there's a tendency to be more honest, right? When it's aunties and cousins, you get a lot more of, well, girl, does she know how she is? <laughs> it's like, does she know because how she is? People, well, that's a really real question. But I think people, they just feel like there are certain titles that, um, that prevent them from doing what they ultimately want to do. And, you know, I... If, if, if you don't want to cut off a family member, you that is within your right. You do not have to cut off family, but you can respond accordingly to that family yeah. member. It is difficult, and I'm not saying that it is easy. It is very difficult. Family will drive you nuts. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you choose what you want to tolerate. And it's okay. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't want to have a uh-huh. relationship with them. But uh-huh. it, it just means... I, I have a, a boundary that I have to set around this, that, and the third, and that's okay. Because the boundary is literally, I have to do this, or it or it will literally be at the expense of me. And if you are okay with being second, you know, in life to other people, then you're going to have poor boundaries. But when you want to prioritize yourself and your health and your overall well-being, you'll realize how necessary boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can we tell if the friendship needs work 
or if it just needs to be done. If, if you know, because I've been seeing a lot of reactions from, well, Molly and Issa just need to have a good old fashioned talk. Maybe they need a, a mediator to, honey, I got rid of the Mollies in my life and I'm glad I don't have that friend anymore. Like there's the extremes of everything can be worked on versus kick that heifer to the curb. She's not your real friend anyway, right? How do you know the difference? And how do you know when there's something that can be mended and improved versus, okay, this is just over, we're done? I think one, you figure that out based off of your level of maturity. Um, you know, people are like, oh, I just cut off, da, 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 da. I'm like, cutting off, like, that's not signs of emotional, like, intelligence. It is mm. not. It is not. You know, ghosting all that, that, that's just a whole nother conversation. But when you, you know, your investment level of a relationship, you know, based off of the level of effort you want to give. Like, if you really just do not care anymore about um, engaging with someone on the phone or just being in relationship with them, like, there's going to be different aspects of your life that, okay, well, I don't, like, there's, 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 there's no emotional attachment. And it's not that you wish ill on them. It's not that you don't want them to do well in life. It's just, I can't continue being in this space with you. And I feel like it's at the expense of me. Mm. If I feel like my interactions with someone is, if I feel like my interactions with someone is deteriorating myself, like me as a person, like I'm exhausted, you're draining my energy, it's time to go. Yeah. Like I'm going to reflect and see, okay, what about this is exhausting to me? What about this? What, like, why do I feel drained? I'm going to, you know, self-reflect and figure that out. And if it's, if, if, if I'm talking to you and I've, and I've spoke to you and I've given you opportunities and you're just choosing to still, you know, live how you want to live, cool. I just can't be in this friendship with you. And so we just can't be friends. Yeah. Like, I know I want to be invested if I still see that, okay, this person brings life into my life. Like, they, they give me life. Give me life, like <laughs> they, yeah. or you know, this, this person, like this is rocky, and we're going through a transitional phase. But it hasn't been years of a pattern. It hasn't been something that's been like a detriment to me and my right. emotions or my physical health. You know, if those things are now becoming, you know, a, a, like impacted, severely impacted. Oh no, Mm-mm. we can't be friends. Yeah. I love you from a distance and I wish you all the well in life. Um, but we just can't be friends. Gotcha. And, and I don't a- think Molly and Issa are there yet. Like where they are right now in the season, I don't think they are. I do think that they have the ability to repair their relationship. Granted, you know, there's more episodes, but I think right now they, I think both of them still want to, even them talking about, Oh, self-care Sunday. Like, they literally assess each other to see if that still mattered to the other person. Yeah. Because I don't want to feel like, oh, this matters to me, but it doesn't matter to you. So because it doesn't matter to you, then it can't matter to me. Right. No. If it matters to you, it matters to you. What what matters to you should not be dependent on how that person sees it. Yeah. And I think that's the space that they're in. We got a lot more to go. I can't wait to see what what they do with the show and where they take this and and if we see a friendship repaired and real growth or you know they just got renewed for season five so girl we might be in for a ride they 
They did, but they also did, um, they also did do a foreshadowing in episode one, I think. They were like, oh, I don't F with Molly anymore. Yeah, but that was on the phone with somebody. That was like this around the same time as the, the block party, which is next week. Yes. And then you kind of saw in the preview that when they were taking the pictures, Molly wasn't there, but they did show Molly at the very end of the preview. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But, you know, and if they choose not to be friends anymore, that's their choice. And if they feel like it was a better decision for both of them, then it is what it is. Yeah. You know? No love lost. I feel like they'll still love each other. But if y'all hurting each other by being in contact with each other more than not, then y'all need to be friends. I also feel like they both... Both of them need to give each other just a little more grace with their words. You know what I mean? Like, I notice there's a... They well, hurt. Yeah. They hurt. They, they're very, and they don't know how to deal with that in a healthy way. Yeah. And, and it's weird because, like, I've seen some people comment, like, Molly is getting a lot of truth bombs from people throughout this season. And she has. But they've all been from men. Have you noticed that? Like, all of the... the true conversations that she has like you know asian bay slash andrew is very honest with molly and she's able to take it receive it grow from it we saw tori and the co-worker he stays on her behind but he got her together and she had to take it receive it her brother did the same thing in terms of the way she's been reacting to their dad gave her some good honest truths um but we have not seen molly do that with her female friends in particular, but her friendships. Um, so we'll see. Because her natural reaction... You know what? That is a very interesting perspective that you just offered. And I'm just wondering about the gender dynamics. If she even that. feels like she can offer up another opinion. Like, I don't... Oh... That's the whole conversation for another day. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm noticing to... that. And I also noticed mm. that both Issa and Lawrence, because I'm always going to take it back to Condola, Issa and Lawrence both fell in love practically with the same person. <laughs> in terms of Condola. Oh, God. I mean, Condola's a cool person, but last episode, oh, she projected too. She projected too when he asked her. I thought that was a dumb um, question too. I thought that was a very dumb question about, she asked. About him. her asking him, like, oh, well, if she didn't cheat on you, would y'all have broken up? I um, thought that was a no. stupid question because, girl, if your, husband hadn't left, broke up. if your husband hadn't left you, which I wanted to know why he left her, if your husband hadn't left you, would you still be married? Like, that's that's the thing that broke them up. Like, that's a dumb question. Yeah. <laughs> like, she projected because, you know, she didn't want to answer the question. Yeah. So when I don't want to answer the question and these things of defensiveness come up, I'm either going to choose to still give you an answer or I'm going to succumb to my defensiveness yeah. and attack you. But I also because I don't want you to know that I'm on the defense. Condola, before that one scene in particular, she uses positive reinforcement to get what she needs done. She's mm-hmm. she's not a... Um, and I, I was thinking about that. Like, why is it that when Issa works with Condola, she can get so much done? And why is it that Lawrence with Condola can get so much done? Because she is the only character on the show that we see who who steers people positively versus being like, oh, girl, that's trash. It's, hey, why don't you try it this way? Or why don't we write it? Like, she, she's a very 
she has a good way of being a positive spinner on things. Even like when Lawrence clearly self-invited himself to her Thanksgiving and he was struggling with a job, instead of her being like, man, your job in jeopardy, you need to, you know, her, her answer was, I'm sure you'll figure this out. Like she uses so much positive speak as a character. And it's very interesting to me how Issa uh, is gravitating towards just that in her only good vibes only kind of mindset. I wonder if that's also another, um, another. I'm not sure I understand. Oh, Siri then says she don't understand either. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just wonder I wonder if that's just another way of her dealing with her anxiety and, uh, you know, for negative, like negative feeling induced situations. Like with him talking about, oh, you know, he doesn't know about his job. I wonder what would have happened if she would have been like, you know, I get it. Like that can really, you know, be something to stress about. Explain. I'm just thinking about the whole scenario with Lawrence. Like for you, you know, to to really feel um, nervous about the outcome of your job. First of all, her friend was really shady for bringing that up. Um, (laughs) At a a full group, a full group party. You know, really shady for bringing that up. But I'm just saying, like, imagine how it feels to be, you know, worried about your job security. And, you know, it's a very real feeling for you. And it's almost like, oh, well, I'm sure sure you'll figure it out. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Yeah, but it's, Reaffirm you know, what I just said. Validate it. But he didn't val- He's not feeling it himself. I mean, this whole, like, well, I'm black and, and I'm on a small team, so I'm safe. <laughs> like, he makes it well, sound like he's yeah, not no, feeling it either. He did this, yeah, he did the same thing as well. Like, he doesn't want to give life to a really real possibility. It's like, an, I call it the ostrich mentality. If I stick my head in the sand, mm. then what I'm trying to deny or escape isn't real. But when I take my head out of the sand, it's still there. It's like, worse, usually. You know? Like, it is real. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an issue for a lot of the characters on the show, is that they they really don't deal with problems until they are so huge and so right up on them. You know, there is no addressing small things. They literally just let things snowball until there's an avalanche in their face. And so kind of think about, like, what's the purpose behind that? Why do you think they um, continuously do that? I think a lot of people do that. I don't think, I think we see it more displayed on the show because, you know, as the viewers, we are sort of watching like, no, 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 I see what's coming. You know, I immediately when his job... When he kept saying, I feel safe, I was like, no, you're not. But, you know, I think we feel like that as viewers. But I have seen and experienced other people who are at companies. You know, I used to work for a very, I'm trying to say this nicely. I used to work for a very large online university. And at one point after I had left the job, the place was shutting down. You know, people were losing jobs left and right, left and right. And a friend of mine who used to work there told me that there was another lady who refused to quit until, quote, the Lord told her to move. So, I mean, I don't, I don't well, think. And I'm like, did he? Did she not hear him when all of your coworkers got let go? I mean, you know, that, I mean. that feels like a loud sign, right? Like, I, I don't think that the characters are alone. There are people who do that in real life, even if it's like, you know, 
like we, we're talking about Molly and Issa's relationship, but a lot of times we do that in our own relationships as well, where it's like, okay, I can tell so-and-so's mad, but I don't really feel like dealing with that attitude. So I'm just going to avoid whatever it is because I don't feel like dealing with it. And then it turns into, we need to go get counseling. We need to go get therapy because the small things get pushed aside sometimes when you're living life. I don't think it's just them. Is it, Okay. Is it, I don't want to deal with it or I don't know how to deal with it. I think it's both. I don't know how to process it. I think it's both. And then we got a little bit of a, we got a little bit of a a backstory in terms of the Thanksgiving episode, right? Where we hear that Issa's childhood came with a lot of fights (laughs) because her parents fought a lot. Like turkey thrown in the pool at Thanksgiving. The conversation were her and, and, and her brother. Yes. And a lot of passive aggressiveness with religion. That that infamous prayer. <laughs> you have to about the brother. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the I'm gonna tell you off through prayer, which I have seen and I've been guilty of, so I can't shade too bad. But <laughs> <laughs> so listen, I know never called out nobody's sexuality but i did call somebody a demon when they came in my church then i didn't like them so there we go oh my i'm growing look at me i'm training you know <laughs> i am i am growing as a person okay so but my okay. point is and i think isa has clearly an upbringing of either explosive fights or sort of passive aggressive religiosity. We get that yes, backstory. Yes, yes. So that's learned behavior. She has learned that interaction to be as normal. So when it comes to confrontation, she has never really learned this is how you deal with confrontation. You know, this is how you problem solve. Yeah. You know, this is how you problem solve in the workspace because she struggled with that at work, like yes. until she just blew up and quit. You know, so it's been a continuous cycle of um, her not knowing how to deal with um, conversation because it comes off as risky. If I speak, then I am introducing myself to, you know, all these risky outcomes and I don't know how to deal with risk. I don't know how to deal with making a, a, a decision and having to deal with the unknown that comes yeah. from that. And even, you know, and that's a good point. If we grow up witnessing, okay, every time dad said X, Y, and Z to mom, it turned into a full blowout, right? Or every time I mentioned this to my, my dad, I got spanked. Um, then you do learn to just shut up until it gets so bad. You know, it's, you know, the, okay, I've heard, you know, when you're a kid, tell me if you're struggling in school. If you are used to getting punished every time you tell the truth, it turns into, I didn't know you were struggling until you got all these Fs on your report card, right? And so, maybe yeah, that because is... Yeah, because a kid will lie. A kid will lie. Well, people will lie mm-hmm. because they believe that the lie will get them in less trouble than the truth. Yeah. Yeah. If your truth has been yeah. punished, then do you learn to ever be honest with yourself even? And, and do you ever learn to live in your truth? There we go. So we got a little bit of a backstory with, and with Molly, we have a little bit of her family history, but I still don't feel like we have enough of the nuts and bolts all the way in terms of knowing enough about her personality. 
Like we just know and her we're parents. Kind of where are, that stems from? Yeah, we just know her parents are together, and she has two brothers who <laughs> are making interesting relationship choices as well. Um, but that her parents had an infidelity she didn't even know about until recently. But she thought they were a model couple until, like, last year. So did she enter that whole situation with Dro before she knew? No. About- after. It was after. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. they had that vow renewal. And Dro came to that because he grew up with them. Mm-hmm. And that's when mm-hmm. she saw him again. Mm-hmm. And that was when, you know, after she found out about the infidelity was when she... You know, and her feelings were hurt. That's when she was like, well, come on in the room. But So once again, when she doesn't want to deal with her feelings, she, she projects mm-hmm. and then she lashes out. Mm-hmm. I do want to just throw this thought out. It does deal with Condola. Yes. Um, um, when Issa was just like, I feel like she's reaping all of my hard work. Um, that led me to question how much of a friend can Condola really be to you if you feel like this is a woman who is now reaping the benefits of your hard work in, in your five-year relationship? And, you know, with with the writers kind of making it seem like they're going to, um, you know, hinting that Lawrence is going to get back with Issa as he's once again in a precarious situation with his job. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, we're you know, where Lawrence was able to be, you know, built up and he's successful and he's with Condola. Okay, so does that mean that he's going to lose his job and end up with Issa again? They're right back in the whole situation again? I mean, that's what I've been thinking. But we also have to keep in mind that we've only seen those hints of getting back together on Lawrence's side. We don't know if Issa wants to go back there. True. But, and, 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 and I do respect her for... I think it was there just a little bit, but I don't think she really fully allowed it to occur. Yeah. I think she, she's building a loyalty with Condola, and I think that she really does feel like she doesn't have a chance with Lawrence, but I feel like if he opens that gate with her, I feel like it may really, it may happen. But I'm just really thinking about just the friendship part. How can you be a friend to this woman that you think reap the benefits of your failed relationship. But is but I think you still can be if if that I mean they're in such a weird spot. I've never been friends with any of my exes anything, right? I think this happens more so when people have children in common and so they have to be around their ex and they have to be around their ex's new partner. The idea of let's be friends, let's get along, you know? But I think But she don't have to be around Condola. She doesn't have to be other than her <laughs> professional stuff, right? That's the thing. They sort of met uh-huh. at the same time. They met and fell in love with Condola at once, right? <laughs> and one didn't know about the other. But I think it's interesting because that's still not Condola's fault. It's hard to be mad at Condola in this. I think I think that anger is really for Lawrence. Like, how could you wait to be a better person with someone else? Your best self for another woman. That's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter who picks up, you know, it's the same as like, you ever see like on, um, people do those DIYs where someone throws out a, uh, a dresser or something and it looks, and they go, and and someone's like, I picked this up off the street and I put mirrors on it and now it's a glam. (laughs) 
fabulous thing. Put and put no mirrors in it. She, but she no, that's the thing. But imagine if the dresser yeah. could dress itself up. Like, well, now I'm in this new heifer's house, so I'm gonna paint myself. That's the equivalent mm-hmm. of you know. What but I mean? here, no, 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 no. Because he did that prior to meeting Condola. He did. He did that on his own. Yes. So it's kind of like, why were you able to do this on your own and not with me? That's always a good question, though, because I've seen a number of people say that and I've seen a number of people say things like um you know reason season when a man wants to change it's time for him to change and you can't love him into changing and all those things so I do feel like perhaps there was that that you know I gotta get my stuff together because I couldn't sustain this he didn't seem to realize what a problem he was having until everything blew up with him and Issa um Uh and and he was starting a little bit I also think the the What's the real cute one that that was ghetto? Tasha. I think Tasha. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tasha. That blow up at the family reunion. You're you're just an f boy who thinks he's a good guy. I do think that also probably added into him looking at himself because Lawrence went through a dark period. Don't forget, he had a job, but he was he did he was he did, but he was also projecting his pain. He was on having sex with all these random women, right? Because he that's was. How Wilding out. That STD uh-huh. is what made him grow up more than anything else, right? So, yeah. so we did see Lawrence go Some through. Some people still have it. Yeah. So I, I mean, to a certain extent, I think Issa only is now seeing sort of the finished product of Lawrence's work. So that's why she's like, "Well, how uh-huh. are you a better person for that person?" But Issa did not see those months slash year in between their breakup and him. In the valleys, I mean, that threesome with those girls from the liquor store was the bottom of the barrel in my book. Um, oh. Yeah. So, oh, I had to remember that we're on a podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? Like, we, you know, there was a lot of dirt and muck and mire that, that we saw that Issa didn't see. And so I think that that's a common thought for a lot of people only because, you know, when she said it, I saw a lot of people on social media and a lot of friends be like, oh my God, this reminds me of, you know, my ex, you know, got married to the very next girl or um, thing like that where you feel like, well, how come you couldn't be that person for me? I think that's a true statement. I just think with Lawrence, there's some underlying stuff. I also think that, um what was triggered in Issa was why was I not worthy enough or why was Mm. I not good enough for you to want to change? That's it. That's it. (laughs) See, she sees Condola as the impetus for his change. Condola is the side effect of his change. Ooh, yes. Do you see what I'm saying? In the sense of, I read a book when Mm -hmm. I was single and it changed everything. And I tell everybody about this. Maybe I need to just do an episode about this book. Why men marry some women and others not. And it sounds like, yes, and it sounds like an advice book, but it is a book of mostly statistics of like when men marry, women that work in certain fields meet more men and they tend to get married. And so it was like, it put things in perspective because the one thing the guy said was women think that if you are there long enough, he'll marry you. No, if this guy has in his mind, when I get the job, when I get this, when I'm this age, I'll get married. Then it's almost like musical chairs. And when the music stops, who's sitting down? Let me tell you something. Um, That in itself highlights how we as a society places 
you know, the, the, the choose me or I want to be chosen Mm-mm. solely on women Yeah, when it's literally like, why would a woman have that mentality that, oh, you chose someone else once you were able to do all these other great things in your life? Like, but why the truth was he didn't me? feel like he was worthy to be a husband until he reached that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it had nothing to do with you, but why yeah. do we, because we make the health of a relationship the woman's responsibility. Right. And if you if ask something that, is wrong, let's look at the woman first. Yeah. And Unless that's it's not always the case. Sometimes you, you can be a wonderful person. You can be a great woman. But if that dude is in his early 20s, he barely has a stable job. He's not ready to settle down. And he doesn't think he can provide or he doesn't feel like he's mentally and spiritually in that place to be your husband. There's not enough niceness, sex, cooking you can do to make him Say feel that. like a husband. <laughs> Lawrence was not husband material when he was with Issa. So now he's done some work on himself and he's looking at Condola like, why you don't want to marry me? Uh And then he automatically associated that with kids. So you don't have no kids? Well, when did having to be married be a prerequisite for having kids? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. They have not had those. They have not had a conversation about what they want out of it. Not at all. It's very, very interesting. Not at all. Oh girl, that's oh, that's I tell you, gender role. That's a whole. That's a whole different uh, episode, right? A whole different episode, conversation, life. I mean, you should definitely do that. Be a little bit more in depth with it. Ooh, mm-hmm. honey, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it is coming. I'm so excited for the next few episodes I have lined up because uh, we're gonna get in depth with those romantic relationships, especially with the quarantine. So, so I have more stuff coming up on that. But that's a teaser for the listeners. Y'all just gotta keep listening. The okay? teasers. I can't. <laughs> I love you, Shannon. I, I love swear. you too. Bev, do you have anything else you want my listeners to know before we head out? Yes, go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> go to therapy. Don't let no one say, oh, well, that's just how you are. Thank <laughs> Take you. Take that as your indicator. Go to therapy. It'll be like one of the best decisions you've ever made. I promise. I love it. I love it. And your site is, because you have an awesome blog that you run about therapy and, and, and all that stuff. I do. Your fave, F-A-V-E-M-F-T dot com. And you can find me on um, Instagram, your favorite M-F-T and on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. And are your um if you look are you accepting new clients? Or do you do only uh, in person? Are you all online? Which one? So I'm actually in the process of creating a website for my counseling practice, um, you know, because COVID just kind of put everything on pause for yeah. in person. So I'm actually doing a teletherapy, um, what you call it, a teletherapy practice. Um, so I'll be as long as you follow um, your favorite or your favorite MFT on Instagram and Facebook, then you'll um, get the notice that or when I'll be taking clients and when the website will be up. So hopefully that'll be up within the next week. And I'll have all the links for that in the description box and in the details section. So you can reach out to Bev if you uh, would like to use her services. She's in the New York area. So once the world opens back up again, you'll know where to find her. I know. So I'm, I'm actually servicing um, clients in Florida and New York. So I'm licensed in both states. Damn. So I'm doing teletherapy. I know. <laughs> so I'm, do- 
funny. I, that was my so support. Be, you better do it, two states. Ow. Yeah, so I have Florida, I have a lot of Florida clients as well. And then, you know, with COVID, I have a lot of um, New York clients right now. Awesome, so, awesome. Beth, yeah. Thanks so much for being my uh, therapist on Insecure. Thank you for inviting me. I look, listen, last, uh, yesterday night's episode was so good. I just can't wait to see how this plays out. Listen, so we may we have know, to like, do another episode for the season finale. I feel it coming. I was just about to say, after the culmination of this season, ah. Oh, I think we'll all need to be on a therapist chair. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my gosh. So, yeah, I will. I'm ready for it. Yes, we may have to do a season wrap up. Thanks so much, babe. You're welcome, boo. Hey, hey, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, And I hope that you uh, were able to apply some things in your own life and your own friendships. I'm going to really quickly tell you that my song for the week is really an EP for the week. And that is my dear friend Tremaine, who's playing in the background. I don't know if it's picking up, has released an entire project, a whole quarantine project, right? Called 30. Wait, that's the song. Yeah, let me get it together. Songs from Earth. So look up Tremaine Lamar. You know, he's a former guest on the show. Listen to his episode as well. But his voice is amazing. The harmonies are amazing. The arrangements are amazing. Look up Songs from Earth. In the meantime, between times, send me an email at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. And uh, I'll be back with you next week. Have a good one. Bye, babe. Mwah.